And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage yourself, Mama Babin. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing good. Yesterday was rough, but today is a new day. That doesn't sound convincing. The way you're saying it, you're like, I'm good. I'm fine. Everything well, is great. I am. I am good. I think that um, there's so many kiddos starting school right now that are not doing well and so many parents that are just really struggling. So I guess that's where my feelings are coming from because I don't have any solutions and I don't like it when I don't have solutions. There's no solution. The schools are not prepared for our children and they're understaffed. I remember starting school as a kid. There was like a certain, once you've done enough times, you're used to routine. So you go out, you buy all the school supplies, you have the meltdown, you buy some more supplies, you have another meltdown, you try to arrange some school bus transportation, you have another meltdown. It's just this long deluge of meltdowns. Like they all sort of blend into each other like a blob of like screaming and crying and throwing stuff. It was fun. Those were fun times. Yes. So those are fun times for the kids, right? And then the parents get, that's the fun time for the kids, the meltdowns. And then the parents get these nasty little telltale letters, right? Your oh, child yeah. did this. Your child did not do this. I mean, that's the joy of school starting. Um, the teachers anyway. will be writing, like, there was a show. There's a show. It used to be a show when I was a kid called Recess about these kids. Mm -hmm at school and one of the characters was, was Randall the snitch and like he was like this hunchback with like this, this sort of like messed up mm. features and he would write like snitch reports like his whole hand around the pencil that's how I picture some of these teachers like I've done it I've been a teacher so I get the frustration with the kids yeah. but there just seems something made about yeah. being Little Johnny wouldn't sit down in class and oh, kept gosh. talking and not paying attention and kept it just it just feels like 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 snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. Yeah. At a certain point, you're the one with the master's degree, handle it. Yes, it's very, very petty. Um, and it reads like they're tattletailing, like, and that drives me crazy. Uh, I actually asked a teacher once. Does it make you feel better about yourself, like tattletaling on a four-year-old? And she just looked at me. I'm like, because that's pretty much what you're doing, right? First of all, children are coming to school to learn. Secondly, you know the child has an IEP. So for you to say, oh, they did not sit still in their chair when you know they have sensory processing or, or needs or ADHD, why do you need to write that down? That's like saying that the blind child couldn't see. Well, Bobby didn't look very well today. He didn't see very well. What? Yeah. Well, because the IEP says the child will sit down in class. The child yes. will learn how to see, I guess. So they're just yes. like, well, they're failing their goal. But that's not why we're here today. Talk, <laughs> talking about our effed up education system is not why we're here. That's it. Today we're doing what? I hope will be the first of, I guess, like a mini series or whatever yeah. you want to call it around ADHD, because ADHD is a co-occurring condition with autism. It's like the most common. It's almost like its own brand of autism, quite frankly. 
and it's interesting how the two will interact with each other. So I yes. feel like we should talk about it a little bit just because mm. what works on some autistic kids that don't have an ADHD profile yes. might be a complete flaming disaster if you try the same thing with an autistic child that does have an ADHD profile. Mm. So I really want to get into that. Plus, I found out a few months ago when I read all of my psych evaluations and IEPs on the podcast that I'd been diagnosed with ADHD and no one had bothered to tell me. Wow. Because I was also diagnosed. I was also, they also suspect that I had like dyslexia and dyscalculia and a whole bunch of other learning disabilities. But because I was autistic, no one cared. Because yeah. they're like, well, the, the, the autism makes everything bad. Who cares? So yeah. I've been learning more about myself and my ADHD and how it works autism and the sort of profile I have. Mm-hmm. So I really have gotten interested in that. So that's, I guess, a personal reason why I want to talk about ADHD a little bit mm-hmm. on some of these episodes. And also it's just it's something different to do besides just like, here's a, here's a different way autism presents itself, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> we want to make things fun. So ADHD uh, is a hot topic right now. I mean, I think TikTok and um, it also allows me to be controversial. I love being controversial. I I can't help myself. It just it just spews <laughs> out of me like diarrhea. So ADHD is a perfect uh thing for that because now everyone thinks they have ADHD. And apparently it's cool now. Apparently it's like the end thing. It's, um, it's always been the coolest. Let me phrase that. It's always been the, what's the word I'm looking for? The sort of disorder to say, like, I have a disability, which mm-hmm. you then overcame. So you could have, like, tragedy narrative how you, and the inspiration form. But no one actually views this like a legitimate disability because it doesn't affect you socially or physically in any way. So unless you tell someone, most people can't tell. Unless they live with you, then they definitely can tell. They definitely know. But if they're just meeting you, they can't tell. Unlike other things like cerebral palsy or autism, if it presents in certain ways, where people can definitely tell you're different, they go, oh. Or in the case of that one reporter, muscular dystrophy, the president of the United States makes fun of you at a campaign rally. So anyway. I want to talk a little about ADHD, what it is, or how it presents, how it affects autism, all that good stuff. And I think you're the perfect person as someone who is the autism sage. You've encountered <laughs> you've encountered ADHD a lot in a lot of different kids from around the world over a bunch yes. of years. So yes. I don't think there's someone more of, there's there's a better expert to bring in and talk about this than my co-host. So yeah, I want to get into that, and I guess the first question is, you told me not to ask this before we recorded, so I'm going to ask this. What is ADHD? So, you know, it's interesting that you you just said, you know, as someone who has, you know, seen ADHD, I think one of the benefits I have is, as a speech therapist, I worked with several different, whether it was a... Um, a rare syndrome or a common language disorder or learning disability. Like, so I've seen ADHD in different classifications, which is what we call a diagnosis in the school system. But I've seen what ADHD looks like in a five-year-old, in a girl, in a 12-year-old, in a 10-year-old, in someone who is autistic, someone who is not. 
And it is very different in terms of the way it presents itself in, in the environment. However, from my perspective, what I have always tried to help parents understand when it comes to ADHD, and this is my, my personal professional because it's all blurred, I do not um, encourage, I do not like when children under the age of six have been diagnosed with ADHD because I feel that the only environment where you should have to sit down, if you have to sit down, is school, right? So a child, and I'll push it to five, you know, kids are starting school a little bit sooner, but, you know, I think that when you have a child who's just active, like they're just a busy three-year-old or a busy four-year-old, then they may just be a busy four-year-old. Or if they do have ADHD, they're not working in a job, they're not sitting in the classroom. So maybe we just need to just bring them outside more and give them more things to do. But when it comes to a kiddo who is diagnosed with autism, and then they want to add on ADHD. I kind of get a little, um, I give a lot of pushback because there's so much crossover with sensory processing and ADHD, right? In terms of a lot of the strategies, there are kids with ADHD, if you just let them stand at their desk or move, they're fine. Right. Um, I mean, they're able to, you know, participate, attend and do all those other things. They're just moving. So for me, I always feel that we should address the sensory system, make sure we understand the sensory system. If we see things that are kind of getting in the way, right, of a kiddo getting through their day, let's look at it. Right. Now, that's my standpoint, just because I I'm not anti-medication when it comes to ADHD, if it can be helpful, uh, because I know that everyone cannot homeschool. And for some kids, it can be really, really helpful during the school day. But I am always looking at the least intrusive when kids are younger, because they're still developing, right? Um, they're just developing. And so when I explain it to parents, I say, bit of not it's not really your child can't attend right because people say well that'll watch a movie that'll look at whatever I'm like well you know most of us can can attend to something that's very interesting uh, the the attention deficit disorder component is really the child is struggling to filter things from the environment, right? What do I take in? What do I kind of throw out? What do I block out? And at the same time, I have to execute a function. And you guys can't see the look on Torrin's face, but so because I'm trying what to- you're describing is happening to me right now, where I thought of something funny that's related to this kind of, but not exactly what you're saying. And, mm -hmm. it's, I, I, and I'm fighting not to laugh. So I'm having like a weird smile for no reason. So good thing we don't put these on YouTube. Because that's just, because I am ADHD, so my mind will sort of wander onto adjacent tracks. So I'll get to that once you're done. But that's the reason. <laughs> the exact thing you're describing right now is happening to me. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because 
that's really truly what I see happens, especially with uh, you know kiddos who also have an autism uh, autism diagnosis. Is that wandering is not wandering based on I saw someone walk in the hallway. It's something popped into my head, an idea popped into my head, a thought popped into my head. How do I filter it? Do I filter it? I can't filter it. I need to say it. It's going to come out. You know, children blurt it out because it's hard to control your impulses. I mean, Torrent's about to burst right now trying to control <laughs> It's not normally this bad. I don't know. Maybe because we're recording later in the day. We normally record in the afternoon, but due to uh, technology-related circumstances, we're actually recording uh, at midnight where I am and like 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. Yeah. where you are, which is, I, I'm a night owl, so it's not that bad, but I, maybe it's later in the day. It's So it's like, my brain is like, this is a weird analogy. My brain is like an FM signal on the mm -hmm. radio where at night it just carries. Like you oh. hear some FM stations several states away. I don't know. I'm, 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 that's not my field of expertise, but I know it carries. That's what my mind is. At night, it just goes crazy. Mm -hmm. It's always been like that. That's why I used to. That's why I actually used to get most of my like creative stuff done at night at because night. my brain just turns on. Sometimes it's like overactive, like it is now, and because we're not, we haven't recorded at night in a really long time. I'm struggling a little bit to rein it in, which is kind of annoying if I'm being honest. Well, but it's also about our topic, right? In terms yeah. of filtering information that pops into your head. And so I'm going to quickly just recap for our listeners, because I know I kind of went all around the mulberry bush, right? I, I didn't help with the situation at all. <laughs> hey, we're talking about ADHD. It's perfect, right? So my thinking is, or should I say, I try to help parents understand it's not that your child can't pay attention. It's that your child is working very hard to filter to decide what information they need to take in and process, but also executing a task is the part that's really hard, right? Like even something simple like pick up your pencil or stand up to go in line. It's hard for adults who don't have ADHD to understand why that is so difficult, right? Um, and so helping parents understand the executive functioning component helps them to recognize, okay, I can support this, right? I can do things to help. I can strategize around what will give my child the best uh, you know, capability to be able to do the task. And I'll give a really quick example of something a wonderful uh, fourth grade teacher did with my youngest son. And she would always tell me, um, he, he, you know, he just wanders, like he drifts, he drifts. And I said, oh yeah, he's a drifter, right? And I'm a drifter too. So I get it, we drift. And so she said, well, you know, I have this thing when he's drifting in class, you know, I walk around and I just kind of like, just put my hand on his shoulder and then he comes back. And then and she says, I just go on. And I said, that's wonderful. That is really, really good. Um, so it was kind of like a way they worked out for her to help him like get back and execute that task that he wants to finish because he drifted. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a long line of drifters in my family. Um, it drives my mother crazy when I drift in the middle of conversation, <laughs> but it's what happens. What am I going to do? So that's my long version. 
of what ADHD is in Stacy's world. Not sure if you could put that on a cocktail napkin, but you <laughs> do bring up a point I wanted to get into, which is well, first, what I was thinking of that that made me smile was uh, back when maybe when Stacy was a kid, before my time, they had a show called Schoolhouse Rock, and they would have songs, they teach you stuff. And I've shown Stacy's video, and they have a video called Conjunction Junction. Yep. Basically, teach you how to spell and stuff like that. And when I was a kid, there was a comedy sketch show for Mad TV based off the magazine. And they had a, a video called Dysfunction Junction, which was about like dealing with like hyperactive kids. Yeah. It was like Dysfunction Junction, what's your function? <laughs> Doping up kids with behavioral problems. And I heard that when I was a kid and laughed, and that always just randomly will come to my head. So it came to my head again. And if I can figure it out, I might actually like splice that into this audio recording if I can do it. Short of popular Zola. That's a pill for all you stressed out kids. Hey, I think I'll take three. That'll fix my ADD. Helping up kids with behavioral problems. But to get back to what you were saying, Stacy, it's called a disorder. I get that. We need medical terminology, yada yada yada. But doesn't feel like ADHD is a disorder the way like autism spectrum disorder is, where there are legitimately disabling things that even if the environment was perfect, you would still have struggles. It feels more like with ADHD, it's because our brains are wired differently and it doesn't quite match up, especially in things like schools with the sort of root memorization and having to sit for long periods of time in class and having to read out loud, and all the things that happen in school. Because you often see AD, kids with ADHD in sports, they're great. And then when they go to college, and they actually can choose what they study, and they're actually interested in it, yes. sometimes they get great grades. And these are kids who, who did, like, when they were in school. And, and they have PhDs, so clearly they're not dumb. So I really feel, and college is generally harder than the joke of our education system. So I really feel like it's more of a flexibility, lack of flexibility in a lot of the systems and a lot of the, the expectations we have of children than it being a disordered way of thinking, if you get what I mean. Yeah, so, you know, I think the the disordered component really just comes into play when children aren't sitting in a chair. I mean, that is when, I remember as an educator, when we could diagnose ADHD teachers, right? You did a little checklist, you said ADHD, you sent them off to the doctor, they gave them medication, and that's what we did. Well, then I think all everybody's putting on everybody's children on medication. So they were like, whoa, 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 we can't do that anymore. Now only doctors can do it. So I think that, you know, Back in the day before iPads, when children actually went outside and played and ran, it wasn't a big deal. When I went to school, we had 
recess before school, recess in the morning, recess after lunch, PE every day. That's four good 20 plus minutes, four times. Y'all had PE every day? PE every day. Hey, Music every day, get art like every day. Week nowadays. Oh, I know. That's the problem. The problem is it sits, 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 sits. So now, you know, the whole idea is they're not sitting in class, right? They're not sitting, they're disruptive. Um, the kids are frustrated because they're not able to complete a task. They know it's not their fault. They really want to do their work because they're not stupid. They're not dumb, but everyone thinks that they are. What I also find, and this is just my experience as a professional working with kids, I find that um, true ADHD individuals are extremely creative, right? And, and sometimes I wonder if it's just that creativity is what is constantly not growing. It's this, it's like you have all these ideas that you're creating. And so anyone who's a creator knows when you start creating, you have to go with it. If not, you lose it. People who are not creators don't understand that. Stop, go back to your drawing later. Mm, nope, got to finish my drawing now because now yeah. I have And sometimes we have to just alert whatever we're thinking out repeatedly at the worst possible moments. Yes, yes. So I think the struggle is everything is always around conforming to the school rules. And I think now adults are recognizing why they struggled in school and now getting their own diagnosis uh, for you know various reasons. However, you know, I really would like to have, and maybe we can figure out how to do this. I would love to have a panel of um, parents who are ADHD because I see all these Instagram cute things about, you know, how do I, like there's one that's really cute where this mom's like sitting on the floor and she's like, I'm an ADHD mom and how do I, you know, do my household? And she's got like piles of laundry, right? Like around that, That's her. the neat part, you don't. Well, first of all, this is my first, you know, I'm very proactive, right? So if, if I know I'm not like, can't get, I'm not having, I mean, I literally stopped having two children because I went to someone's house that had three kids and said, I'm not going to be able to keep up with that laundry. Like, there's no way I'm going to bring that into my life, right? I didn't get a dog because I wanted to not bring more things to attend to in my life because I was a working outside of the home mom. And when I was going to have another child, I said proactively, okay, I need new routines because I won't be able to get stuff done and then I'll be really frustrated. So I think for me, it's hard when when there's no plan and strategy around it, right? Like as an adult, it's like, okay, you know, you struggle with these things. So make every Thursday grocery night, right? Don't buy every toy in the toy store. Um, don't get your clothes, your children too many clothes, right? Like minimize the amount of clothes. Kids don't need to wear oh, a whole- the, the issue is when they say, to, what annoys me, and we were going to get into this, so I'm glad you brought it up. The sort of uh, commercializing or co or commoditizing—that's yeah. not a word—of mm -hmm. ADHD, because 
for a lot of people because it's not actual disorder. It's a thinking. It's a, it's a difference yes. of thinking. As yes. a result, it plays minor roles in people's lives to the point where it's a minor annoyance, unlike an actual disability like autism, which is what this podcast is about, which can absolutely dominate every facet of your life. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. So as a result, you get these quirky TikTok videos and Instagram reels of, oh, my house is a mess. See, the thing is, if it really derailed that person's life, they would have strategies because they didn't have strategies. Their life would be such a flaming show that they wouldn't be able to function. So that's why that person is like, oh, I need, why is my house such a mess? Because it's a, it's an inconvenience, but it's not actively derailing their lives. Their house is just a little messy. In fact, they probably have a partner who is more organized because as you mentioned on this podcast, people tend to shack up with mm-hmm. people who, who complement their strengths. So a lot of unorganized people tend to end up with people who are good at organizing, for example. So I get a little, so I get annoyed when I see those things because There are kids who are legitimately struggling because they're in a system that's not built for them with ADHD. And ADHD and the the narrative around it has turned it into a freaking TikTok meme, essentially. And that annoys me. So, you know, it's interesting that you said, you know, how it sort of derails your life. I see ADHD as... The ADHD person is typically fine if they're allowed to just be ADHD and do things when they do them and and get them done. It's the other people around them that are just like, it messes up relationships. It it, um, impacts job, right? If you're not able to complete your task. So I think that it's more of like you said, not a disability to, it's not a hindrance to the ADHD person, it's a hindrance to the other people that are with the ADHD person because you needed these things to be done and your spouse did not because they're ADHD and now the bills haven't been paid and you have a late fee and so there's all these things. Now, of course, my stance on that is, well, you know the person's ADHD, why are you giving them responsibilities of the bill? (laughs) If you ever want to see something really entertaining, Try to find two people who they could be friends, relationship, whatever. One of them is a like classic ADHD disorganization, all that, and the other person's autistic, like autistic without an ADHD profile. So sort of that rigid needs everything in order. The kid who lined their blocks up and their toys up that got them diagnosed in the first place, that sort of kid, and just watch the magic happen. It is hilarious. As someone stamp off your bingo card. It's someone who went special ed where about a third were autism, a third were ADHD, mm-hmm. and a third were both. Mm-hmm. You got to see some really hilarious interactions between these different neurotypes. So I will say it can it can be a struggle on a relationship, but it can also be it's incredibly hilarious if you're into like dark humor like I am. So I'm quite sure that it can be because I will say I love watching couples that are both neurodivergent, autistic, have a conversation. It's just- It sounds cracked out. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know, I don't even know how they're following the, it's almost like this telepathic overlap of communication. And I'm like, I don't know how they're doing that. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah, I don't even know how to explain it, but- It it makes sense. If you're one of the two autistic people, 
Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, all right. So we've talked a little bit about ADHD and and how it can sort of impact. What is your stance on ADHD and medication for kids? I was hoping you'd toss me this question. Listen, I had this, we spoke off air about mm -hmm. something that we'll probably do an episode on that's a little unrelated to this about echolalia and scripting, where mm -hmm. I said that part of how I seem spontaneous and funny is I'm always looking for an opportunity to make a joke. And I tend to plan jokes ahead of time and hope I get to use them. So because we were talking about ADHD, I was waiting for this one. Which sort of takes the impact out of the joke, but there's a little behind the scenes for you. Listen, Stacey, you can pry my clinically strength meth out of my cold, dead hands. The thing is, I, I hesit I'm hesitant to comment on this because every individual situation is different. So most ADHD medication are effectively stimulants. They're they're meth analogs. It's it's clinical strength meth, if you want to be blunt about it. Adderall, Ritalin, Vyvanse, not all of them, but most of them, most of the ones they're going to go to. And it can help a lot of kids because the stimulants, the stimulants can help them. It's weird because you can stimulate someone who's hyperactive. That seems counterintuitive. Yes. But a classmate of mine once said it gave him the energy to organize the, the chaos in his head. And as someone who, who has been on Adderall, on several different occasions throughout my life, I will say there's it does help because it gives you it our our minds are very chaotic. Everything's sort of just happening all at once. Mm -hmm. So it allows us to be able to line things up and do things one after another. Because and I don't mean to use a lot of big words, but a big issue with ADHD, like the primary feature of ADHD is a lack of executive functioning. And one of the major components of executive, of executive functioning is sequential thinking. So mm -hmm. first, second, third, fourth. First things first, second things second. That tends to become an issue for people with an ADHD profile because everything's sort of just happening at once. So the stimulants can help you be able to line things up because when everything's happening at once, you can't actually get anything done. Yeah. It becomes very difficult because you can't. you don't have 50 arms. You're not Dr. Mm -hmm. Octopus. You can only do one thing or two things at most at a time. So if 50 things or 15 things are happening in your mind, good luck with that, trying to pick out which to go first. And it's very overwhelming. For an autistic person who's struggling with burnout, you see something similar, where our executive function, with someone with ADHD profile, their executive functioning is generally crappy. If they're not autistic, it sort of stays about the same level of crappy as opposed to autistics where it can drastically shift from really good executive functioning if we have spoons to complete inability to like do anything if they if we don't have any spoons. So the stimulants can help with some of us mm -hmm. with sequencing things. The problem is how that translates for kids is they're more likely to be able to sit still. Because their brain is less chaotic. Yes. Because yes. they're able to do one thing after another after another. So on the surface, it looks like a good thing. But the issue with it is, if you start giving the kid medication, I'm not saying don't, but if you start giving medication, they're never going to learn the skill sets 
to actually be able to calm the noise on their own. And that's mm-hmm. important because they don't have the medication. They won't be able to. Also, the medication is addictive. It has addictive qualities. It's meth. So if they stop taking it, they don't just go back to it, they don't just go back to disorganized. They go back disorganized and withdrawal. So mm-hmm. it's disorganized times 50. Yeah. It's not good. And these medications are strictly controlled in America by the Food and Drug Administration. And there's often shortages. So there'll often be times when you can't get access to drugs. Another concern is with these are with preteens and teens. You have someone with ADHD, they're gonna to forget to take it. That happened all the time in high school where you you know the kid forgot to take their ADHD drugs by them just wigging the hell out. Yes. And they happen all the time because they have ADHD. Well, if you think of ADHD, what's the number one thing you think of? You forget that's like the number one thing anyone thinks of. So you forget to take your meds, and most of the meds are made to be short-acting. They don't really build up your system. It's like taking a really, really strong dose of caffeine, mm-hmm. where it hits you, it runs its course, and about eight hours later, it wears off. So I think all these need to be taken into consideration. It might help some kids, because the stress of trying to succeed in school, which is not made for them, can cause more psychological damage than anything the drugs could do. Because fact exactly. of the matter is, we can try to change how schools work, but in the short term, that's a t- that's a tall order. So the kid is really struggling. The self esteem damage of feeling like an idiot because they can't focus in class and they're failing their classes. If you can give them something that let them succeed in mm-hmm. quotations, so they can at least feel like they're not a failure, that has some intrinsic benefits that can't really be quantified. So it's something you really have to take by a case-by-case basis and what's best for your child. The general guidelines I would give is anybody under six, just think about would you give meth to a Mm six-year-old? Probably not. Um, You also have to ask, the same thing for autistic children. Are you giving them this medication to help them or to help you? Yes. Like, do they need to be able to sit still? Do they need X, Y, and Z benefits of the drug? Or do you want it because you're sick of teachers tattletailing on your kid and your family members giving you strange looks and you feel like you're a bad parent because you're letting other people's opinions affect how you parent? I don't mean yeah. to be so blunt, but that is important because a lot of parents put their kids on drugs so they their kids act more normal, quote-unquote. Yes. And they don't have to get criticized for anything. And that's a terrible yeah. reason to put a child on psychoactive medication. Yes. And, you know, I think you made a really good point about for young kids in terms of when you're when you're putting the band-aid of support on a developing neurological system, then it doesn't get to learn how to do it on its own. It's like when people do, I, I still don't understand why anybody does hand over hand. I will never understand hand over hand. I don't Can care you what explain it what hand over hand is. Yes, hand over hand is like let's say that a child is um, eating, learning to eat with a spoon on their own, and the adult holds their hand over the child's hand and guides the spoon for them. Um, I, I just think it's ridiculous because. <laughs> How do you get to make your own adjustments if you don't spill your food? Then the next time you try, 
your neurological system needs to make the error in order to correct. But if you're constantly getting hand over hand guidance, it doesn't. If you're constantly getting the stimulants to help you sort of mask the need to create or wander in your head or drift or whatever it is that you need, then it's it's a sticky situation. However, I think we both understand the reality that some kids have to go to school, parents have to go to work and they have to go to school. And like you said, we don't want their mental health to be in jeopardy because they're always getting in trouble. And so if it's a necessity for them to be able to get through the day, then most parents will use it just on school days and not on the weekend, however they want to do it. Um, but you know, my frame of thinking is, listen, if you're going to go the medication route for your kiddos, while they are on the medication, work on strategies, work on getting things in place, because most likely when they're a teenager, they're going to choose not to take it. Most teens decide, I don't want to take my medicine anymore because I can't do my art. I can't create my music, right? Because it takes away their creativity. So if we work on providing strategies, then there may be the ability to not have to take medication. But if you do, you do. I mean, I had a coworker. I mean, I was like begging her, can you please go back on your meds? Like, oh my gosh, you're going to drive us all crazy. She couldn't get it. I mean, it was so disruptive to the workplace. Um, loved her brain, loved everything that she had to say but we cannot do that during the meeting, right? We're never going to get the meeting finished. Now, we came up with some other strategies and, and uh, worked it out. But um, like I said before, I feel like it impacts others, right? Because it can be so um, chaotic in the environment feeling for the other person, right? If you've ever and been around... I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off. If you've ever been around somebody who is, this sounds bad, but like untreated ADHD. I lived with a kiddo. And um, I mean, there were times where, I mean, clearly we had lots of structure in place, but there were times where, you know, like, breaking pencils in class and I had to keep buying pencils to replace the teacher's pencils and finally I was like okay listen we're gonna have a meeting I got him a fidget for his arm I got him something for his legs he was booted up in sensory fidgets and and, and kicking bands all over the place because I couldn't afford to keep buying pencils right so we had to work something yeah, out we had a kid we had multiple kids in our school who we had like a 20 pound weighted vest that we'd have to put a weighted vest on them to get them to stop being so hyperactive. One of these kids like to eat pencils to a point where at one point, almost every pencil in the school, in the whole school had bite marks on them. And you knew this kid, he also ate paper too. He, he ate everything. He was like a dog. He ate everything. Well, you know, I am Smart, a smartest kid in the school too. He got into the best yeah. university of any of us. Yeah. I am a firm believer in, you know, I think kids should be able to chew gum in class. They should be able to have lollipops. I always have gum in my classroom and I teach my kids what to do with the gum. I hate it when teachers say, why didn't they have gum? I'm like, you know, kids are not stupid. Just like we teach them to put trash in the trash can, you can teach them what to do with their gum. 
Um, it's not rocket science. And we chew, we, we chew it anyway. Even when, like we weren't allowed to chew gum. You think that stopped anybody? Like well, and then the whole thing about oh, they're gonna swallow it. Okay, and so. what do you want me to do about that? Lots of kids have been swallowing gum for years. Now, if you swallow too much gum, maybe there's some issues. But anyway, that's not as much of a worry. Um, whereas gum can actually help. So that, in fact, that's one of my strategies I used at home. I had three kids. Um, foster kids to medicated for ADHD and of course by the time they get home from school medication is whoop, gone and everybody got this this that pink bubble gum that old the, the it's hard as a rock and it has I a know, white stuff about, yeah. I mean I don't even know what that stuff's made out of but I tell you what it's a good sensory regulating focus element I, I love gum I would when I got to college I chewed so it, in I started in high school because in high school every there would always be one kid who'd be like yo you gotta stick a gum and like it was like he was a drug dealer he'd have to unzipper I swear I'm not making this up he'd like unzipper his coat like open it a little bit and be like yo I got I got that new five I got new five flavor what do you want what do you want I got you I got you fam so when I started in college I noticed in high school how I get to gum and help me focus so in college I was chewing through this stuff like there was no tomorrow my aunt was sending me up boxes and stuff because it would help me focus in class because back then we didn't have words like stem and stuff like right now every time we do these podcasts under the desk I have a fidget spinner that's why if you see me on camera I'm sort of like shifting like like I like I like I'm twitching or something that's just me that I don't have like like a, a disorder I'm that just me spinning the fidget spinner causes my body to jerk a little bit but yeah it, the sensory stuff i used to flip an eraser in the air in high school that annoyed everybody and they tell me to stop so i would do it more because i'm me yes. one of the things i would like to say before we go about medication so i wrap it all up and so it lead into the next installment of the series where i want to focus more on the intersection of autism and adhd the thing about in my experience and experience of a lot of autistic people I've talked to is the stimulants don't always work with autistic people because they tend to fry our sensory system. It makes the world louder, yep. which I'm for an so autistic person who that. already hears the world too loud, that can be an issue. I have to stop taking Adderall because even though it actually did help me, ish there's also another issue of you adapt to it that's another thing it's stimulants like coffee if you haven't drink more of it you adapt to the stimulants and you kind of have to keep taking more of it like every mm -hmm. few months you have to up those a little bit but um it did help me but it would cause me to be so much more on edge i had a lot more meltdowns i was just became harder for the people around me to deal with because mm -hmm. when i'm overwhelmed i just yell and scream yeah if there's like hurt and everything was hurting my ears, like it actually physically hurt, which mm -hmm. I deal with normally, but made everything just that much worse. Yeah. So it became a trade-off of yes, it helped me focus, but also like was decreasing the quality of my life. So that is something to also take into account. Some autistic people have done great on on, on uh, medication, so it's not all autistic people. But I want to save that for our next installment of this because we could do a whole 15 episodes on how autism and ADHD interact. So I want to yeah. save that, especially because we've already discussed so much. But is there anything else uh, you'd like to touch on before we get going? I really just wanted to um, sort of comment on what you said 
uh, I have always said, I find that stimulants irritate autistic kids. Um, and so Ritalin is like a no-no. Um, I just have never seen without meltdowns increasing. And, and this is based on my experience, but also parents saying, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I know it's Ritalin, it's Ritalin. Um, and there's some places that's the only thing they give. But I will say to end that um, I think this might be our one-on-one -on -one podcast and we can bring some guests on, of course, we're always open to that. But I think this this series might bring us into the fall winter because I'm I'm looking at this list that I don't know when I wrote it or why I wrote it, but it was probably for a training I was doing. And I have a list that says ADHD impacts executive functioning, including impulse control, organization, task initiation, planning and prioritizing, monitoring, working memory, and flexible thinking. So I would like for us to break those down and, and have discussions um, on that in future podcasts. If that's... I, would, I would love that. And that's, that's the thing. So I really want this sort of be a mini series. Mm -hmm. One last thing I will say about the, the medication, the stimulants is what I ended up having to do is I just have a crippling caffeine addiction, but I had to get a little bit uh, creative the way an addict gets creative with drugs mm -hmm. to effectively self-medicate because the Adderall was too much. Mm -hmm. And I and I, the way because I I I had less flexibility with it, just took it. Yeah. But with caffeine, I decide what caffeine sources do what. I I because I'm autistic, I've meticulously tracked what each caffeine source, what effect, how long it lasts, how long it takes to kick in, how long the crash is. Yeah. Uh, like in a way, only like someone, only a man on the spectrum, or I shouldn't yeah. say a man, but only someone on the spectrum will go through this much work. Yeah. And so I have this rotation of caffeines mm -hmm. that I take. So I don't particularly adapt to any one. So I have like a rotation. I have different pre-workouts I take before I go to the gym. I have different stuff I take depending on the day. And I rotate all of them. So so I don't I don't throw a power. This is some addict. I got I guess I got this from my dad who's addicted to everything. So um, but that so effectively I self-medicate. So that's the last thing I'd like to add. But yeah, I think it's a good place to end this. We've touched on some basic stuff. It's a great like intro episode. And I don't know when the next one of these will come out because this is not going to be like extra because I feel like that's just a little bit too much information. But maybe like once a month, every once in a while, we'll drop one of these episodes. Um, I'm not quite sure I'm going to do it yet, but I'm looking forward because these are a lot of fun. I just thought of something in terms of you know, we could also, I work with families where the parents are ADHD and they are parenting autistic children that are also ADHD. And that's a whole nother dynamic. So I may be able to get one of those folks on as a guest because that's a discussion that I think a lot of parents can relate to. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. See, y'all are getting like the insider baseball. You're getting the behind the scenes stuff because we don't actually plan anything with this podcast. But I'm thinking I'm going to call the series Shifting the Narrative and Everything ADHD because that's pretty simple. Um, it'll show up It'll show up on the same feed, at least for the time being. And we'll sort of see where this is going. But it's it, it's nice to do something that's not, like, directly autism-related. Because it, it, I, I will admit, I do just get tired. 
because my whole life has been defined as being autistic to the point where my other disabilities like dyslexia, dyscalculia, yep. ADHD were ignored. So it's nice to get to talk about something different, especially something that does affect my life, especially the more I think about it. So yeah, Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism and ADHD. See ya.